Hello, I'm your host, Michaela Marshall, and this is Welcome to the Hellmouth. Hi, I'm your host, David Lindley. This is the Buffy podcast by a Scooby and a newbie. Hellmouth? Hellmouth. Episode 10 of Season 1, Nightmares, original air date, May 12th, 1997. I am excited. We have two more episodes after this Home in the entire stretch. first season. Yeah. Absolutely. And then it's just six more seasons, <laughs> all of which are probably about the same length, right, Michaela? Right. Not yep. gonna not gonna find out about that anytime soon. So sure. How many episodes are the other ones? Twenty four? I think there are twenty two. Okay. That's that's reasonable. I can live with that. They're not like some crazy like 26er or something, you know? I think Star Trek is like 48. Oh, I for don't fuck's know. sakes. There's so many. You're like, how am there's I still ton. in season one? Why am I still <laughs> doing this to myself? That's an excellent oh. question. And it's something that only you do. <laughs> but let's get right into this episode. Yeah, so our cold open, I wrote down. So word for word, I'm going to read you what I wrote. Good. Masturbatorium, question mark, I hate Dave. i had the similar feeling you're not quite sure if it's the masturbatorium or not at first turns out it is buffy's creeping around down there she's got a stake it's all candly and yeah she goes into the masturbatorium proper from some tunnels and then runs into t-mast oh no t-mast Ooh. t-mast so i always call him mm which okay doesn't that's just his like actor name actor name Yeah, yeah it's unhelpful at this point, like, so I wrote down, this is clearly a dream. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I also knew that it clearly was. The episode was it... is called Nightmares. Right. Okay, so. It's a bit of a hint. Right. There's some amazing handwork from. There is such good handwork. I... Listen, that's all I talk about, and I stand by all of it, because his handwork is amazing. <laughs> There's this concept of how people move. Like, are you a person who walks with their chest first right. or their chin first? <laughs> the master is a hand-first walker. Yeah, his hands are just there in the air, creeping towards you. Or, as we see in this scene, mm. like, they appear on the column that he's creeping around, so they appear, and then the rest of him comes into frame. So good. It's amazing handwork from the master. Oh, yeah. But yes, it's a nightmare where Buffy runs into the master. She's very scared, she's very ineffective, and he totally kills her. But yeah. don't worry. It's just a prophecy dream. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> just another prophecy dream. I, it's, it was sort of like implying that he was kind of like glamoring her or something. Because he basically just stares her down and she drops her stake. And that's the end of that. That's basically how I knew it was a nightmare. Yeah. Because nothing happens as it is ever going to in this sort of situation. Right, right. So Buffy wakes up, had a very bad dream. Joyce is like, oh, you were freaking out again. Yeah. And then we have uh, our first, this is our first mention of Buff's dad. And it pulls us right into our first segment oh, of the evening. Oh, good. This is, a, this is like the earliest one ever, I think. Oh, father, where art thou? I had a very complicated relationship with my father. I could never trust my father, but I always want my son to be able to trust me. So from now on, we're always going to be honest with each other. I have pop-pop in the attic. What? The mere fact that you can't make me love pop-up tells me you're not ready. <laughs> oh, it's really, I like that. Wow. This segment is also known as We Done Goofed. <laughs> oh, 
What? So, intrepid listeners, you will remember when both Michaela and I, together, decided that Buffy's father was dead. <laughs> and that the inheritance that he had left for Joyce and Buffy was how they afforded any of this. The living in L.A., the then moving to Sunnydale and having a large house and an art gallery. Turns out, both Michaela and I were very wrong about that. It's and so he's still crazy alive. that I forgot about this entire character in this show you know yeah mistakes can happen My he's memory. really treated as a minor character okay so again he's not important but it's weird that i forgot that he's not dead <laughs> <laughs> i guess if you want to be technically correct and go back to the tapes you can hear that michaela did in fact know that his he was still alive. But we don't know anything about Buffy's father, right? I mean, who knows what sort of money he left them. <laughs> he's, he's not he's, around. He's not dead. Oh. We, he's, he's Do we alive. know that? <laughs> well, not yet, but oh, there you we, go. we will. <laughs> so it's that sweet, sweet dad inheritance. <laughs> That's what we're going with? Okay, we might have yep. to revise that. <laughs> no, never will. It's way Whatever, harder to man. gaslight me when there's like actual taped evidence, <laughs> right? <laughs> Right, so it turns out that father is still in L.A. Right. That's where but he But he's art. coming down to visit. As he does on weekends. Buffy might be nervous about that or something. I don't know. I think that's a pretty standard sort of teenager response, like not really understanding the dynamic of your parents' relationship and saying to yourself, well, what if I was part of the problem, you know? Yep, yep, yep. And we have some Willow therapy session. Willow's uh, just When the she best. goes to work. Yeah. Willow is wearing a fine brown velvet shirt. It's it's real shiny and awesome. So this is an interesting episode because, I mean, uh, they're kind of wearing, like, the same outfit for, like, a big chunk of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're in those outfits yet. No, no I don't no, think so. No, we're not. That, like, that's a tomorrow. Uh, Buffy's got them huge rings on as... One for each hand. Yeah, man. You <laughs> Well, what are you saying? She just have one large ring on one hand? That's Doesn't that absurd. make more sense? No. So I grew up in the 90s, but I was not aware of a lot of the fashion. Was this a thing? Huge rings? Yeah. Like, huge rings kind of come and go, I think. They were also recently a thing. These are not tennis ball-sized for the audience, <laughs> if you haven't looked it up. But they are Cumbersome. the width of, I don't know, three fingers or so. <laughs> like, they get in your way. to one finger. Yeah. Constantly. She's got one of these on each hand. <laughs> I guess she takes them off to go vampire hunting. Or they're made of really hard metal, and they're kind of like brass yeah. knuckles. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. They're just engraved with tiny crosses. They're weapons. And whenever she punches a vampire, it burns them. Yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> we hop into their classroom, and we meet the dumbest extra who should have been Jesse, but wasn't Jesse because he died in a travesty Jesse. of justice. It's never Jesse, and it always should be. Right. We meet Wendell. He's got a pretty sweet ponytail happening. It's such a dumb ponytail. It's, <laughs> it's real bad. He's asked to read in front of the class, and this is where our first nightmare of the episode right. sort of comes to life, where he opens up his book and tarantulas just start pouring out of it now, all over him. I have to say that the actor really... So he was freaking out in the scene, but mm -hmm. as far as being afraid of having tarantulas all over you actually goes he seemed pretty okay with it yes one crawled down his face and he just <laughs> kind of went with it and you're like he sat there pretty yeah cal not calmly he was screaming 
but perfectly still. Yeah. He was like acting screaming. He mm-hmm. was he was okay with it. I mean, I can see where he's coming from. <laughs> if I'm on a, a TV show for one episode, what I don't want to be doing is flailing around with a bunch of tarantulas <laughs> on me when their handler has just put them on me and explained, hey, you want to keep pretty still or else they'll get freaked out. Yeah, and freaked out tarantulas uh, are bad for everyone. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this guy got to be on Buffy just for the <laughs> price of being covered in tarantulas. He got a name. He got all sorts of yeah. lines. It's This mm-hmm. is a good gig for Wendell. <laughs> I might argue differently. <laughs> it depends on your stance on spiders. I've said that this is our first nightmare of the episode. This is also the first time we see the creepy child <laughs> du jour, who is not the anointed one. So, I mean, is he particularly creepy? Yeah, super creepy. Okay. He shows up everywhere looking on as horrible things happen and, like, apologizing for them. Yeah, and I mean... He's some sort of mass hallucination in some way. People see a child in the high school and aren't like, what is that child doing here? Yeah, this entire episode has a very dreamlike quality that makes a lot of it hard to follow. That's fair. And, like, get invested in, in a way, which really doesn't work to its to its benefit. Xander was briefly gross in this scene, in true Xander fashion. I don't remember that. No? No. Um, he just basically couldn't remember the lesson from yesterday because their teacher was oh, wearing yeah. a tight blue sweater. Blue Angora, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember now. <laughs> oh, wow. I just pulled a Xander. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Well done. Uh- <laughs> Oh, God, now I'm feeling terrible. After he says that, like, all he remembers about the lesson was the teacher's sweater. The first thing that I do when the teacher shows up was, like, look at her body and be like, eh, sure. I mean, wow. I guess you have some questions to ask yourself. I have looked too long into the void and become a monster. Great. Uh, you could can, you can probably come back. We don't know. That's fine. Hopefully. It'll help that Xander won't be generally as creepy. Yeah. That concludes our cold open, and we uh, come back from the theme music right back into the Masturbatorium, but for real this time. <laughs> Ew! <laughs> for those who don't know, we call the Anointed One Ao, which is just a fun word to say. Ao! It's way fun. Right, so they're having, man, they just chill together all the time. Master's doling out life advice for his adorable little demon friend child. I guess he's a vampire (laughs) child. I don't know. And he basically is teaching him about how fear is the strongest magic of all. That's actually untrue. We will learn out that it's either love or friendship, (laughs) depending on whether or not we're in the My Little Pony verse. He's saying it's fear, so. Okay, well... You know, potato, potato. I mean, Dumbledore says love, but what does Dumbledore know, right? Yeah, he fucking died. Wow, Suck that's... It, Dumbledore. Spoilers. <laughs> right. We're going to have to tag this podcast as Harry Potter spoilers <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm just thinking that I was explaining who A.O. is and really did such a shitty job that I didn't mention he's a child or, like, the person who's going to kill Buffy, maybe. I mean, <sighs> who's starting this podcast at episode 10? You know? Ah, to all you listeners who are starting at episode 10, well Thank done. Thank you. <laughs> we really appreciate it. We, we sure uh, do. Listen to episode 7. That was a good one. Oh, yeah. solid. <laughs> we, we really shine on the better the episode is, the better we are. That's what I'm going to go with. Because then there's nowhere to go but up. The Marsters, as I'm calling him. Interesting. Because James Marsters. That's confusing. Yeah, yeah wow. Mm. <laughs> He's uh, apparently <laughs> able to touch a cross 
without burning like too badly because he has controlled his fear. Right. He also, I mean, he says that he's controlling his pain, but mm-hmm. his his hand should probably be smoking a little bit more than that. Well, I mean, crosses aren't as OP as we thought. I guess maybe they the got master's nerfed. just really strong. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to take away from this. It's a giant cross it's too. Really big, yeah. And we pan up to the school with a reverse shot from episode one. Where there we went mm-hmm. from the school down behind some bushes to the masturbatorium. Here it's just the reverse because that's a great shot and they wanted to screen wipe in the same way. I thought we had gotten away from the screen wipes to be honest. I wish we had. Buffy is super nervous about dad times and Willow is super nervous about spiders. She doesn't like how she fast they crawl. really is anti-spider. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she's got a pretty sweet headband on. <laughs> she has some sort of red jacket over like a knee length black and white dress and then like yellow tights. <laughs> yeah, the yellow tights, you see them very briefly, we don't I see think. see them like really until later. Yeah, they uh, they caught my eye for sure. <laughs> like I wasn't even 100% sure they were yellow. I don't I know. I think they might be green. They're a color. They're bright. They're not red or anything right. resembling what her <laughs> coat looks like. The Scoobies wander into the library. Right, and the G-Man is making a pretty crazy face. <laughs> he is making a super crazy <laughs> He's face. the craziest. He is super rattled. Apparently he got lost in the stacks, and you're like, what? Yeah. And the Scoobies are like, cool. Yeah, they seem, like, he's acting very strange, and they just seem to not notice it at all. <laughs> Which I guess is starting to get into that whole dreamlike quality. This entire episode is very loose about what is dream and what isn't. But yeah, they're like, cool, G-Man. Uh, we're going to go talk to Wendell about whatever happened to him. Spiders and whatnot. He's a primary source, and you're not very useful right now. They're basically like, hey, Giles, why don't you go read some books? That's all we really <laughs> hang out with you for. So, I mean... <laughs> oh, oh, that's crushing. Poor, G- <laughs> poor Giles. Uh, it's going to get even worse later. So, comparing Wendell to Computer Lab Guy... <laughs> Jeffrey Stephen Smith or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, that sounds right. I would say that they are remarkably similarly attired. And I mean, this this hairstyle that Wendell apparently rocks every day of his life, <laughs> it's also pretty damn 90s. Oh, yeah. Like if he didn't have it in that ponytail, he would have the hairstyle that JSS yeah. has. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a loose polo shirt. Mm. Super baggy. Yeah, mm. so good. Two earrings, a ponytail. He's like got a necklace. Yeah, the earrings yeah. really were were a big Noticeable. thing in the nineties. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dudes don't really get earrings anymore. Like you, you don't have any that I can think of. Me? Yeah. Not that you know of. No. <laughs> I think we. Oh, this is a. <laughs> we need to move on from here. Uh, thankfully, Cordy <laughs> is also dressed super strangely. Yo, that scarf. Right? She's got what? a bright pink, I don't know what the fabric, like super wispy it's very, scarf like it's thing. It's very thin, yeah. It's like a fashion scarf. Like it can't be keeping her warm at all. <laughs> yeah, it really is part of her ensemble. It, yes. It draws the attention towards her <laughs> neck. I guess. Away from the sweater tied around her waist? I don't know. She's also like, <laughs> She is very pink right now. Yeah, and then she's got this like really fuzzy scrunchie in her ponytail. <laughs> it's like a big black just ball of fuzz. So she's got a pink neckerchief 
I don't know what her... Is the scrunchie pink? No, it's black. Weird. Okay. Because she's got bright pink pants. <laughs> yeah. A different pink sweater like tied around pink. her waist. Yeah. A long sleeve black shirt <laughs> with pink roses on it. And then I guess to match with the shirt primary color, her black scrunchie. And then, I like, thinking back now, like, thinking about what's going to happen to her later in this episode, this outfit, the purpose of it c- should be to be, like, juxtaposed against what's going to happen later. Right. So this Super one should be, like, yeah, hella fashionable. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we're getting, this sweet, sweet fashion <laughs> scarf. I mean, when all of your things match. Yeah. You can't get much better. I think she's got, like, a clear handbag, too. <laughs> Gross. Looks like the straps are clear uh, plastic. It's uh, real awful. She mentions that <laughs> Buffy has a history test coming up. And Buffy's like, what? <laughs> she's confused. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. I didn't study. I haven't. Have I been to that class? <laughs> she doesn't even know where the class is, Dave. How could right. she have been to it? I have been out of school for long enough that I haven't had the dream where this happens, where you have a test that you are in no way prepared for. I have not had that dream for years. Mm. But still, fuck this scene. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck everything about it because it brings back those memories and I hate it. Oh, we we skipped over, we should just briefly mention Wendell loves spiders. Right. And he has nightmares about them because he left a bunch of them with his brother and they all died. And so this is basically the exact situation that happened in class he has had as a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so nightmares now, are coming true this episode, now guys. Now Buffy is Get having the school nightmare. Just basically everything that happens to her in the test is great. Her pencil breaks <laughs> and then time is moving really quickly. She barely remembers her name. <laughs> yeah, the, the clock jumps ahead over an hour <laughs> yeah. when she writes down her name. Uh, oh, it's amazing. And then, of course, everyone else is just is acting like everything's perfectly normal. Yeah. And then the spooky kid is there again. Right. Is he, like, apologizing for doing this to her? That might not be. He might just be no. lurking. And so yeah, she, I think he lurks. she notices him again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's pretty lurky. We cut to some girl we've never seen. Uh-huh. She's going to go smoke in the basement. How's that going to go for her, Dave? <laughs> well, we all know that smoking is bad for your health. Yeah. <laughs> Which, so she's down in this basement. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, like, nightmares are coming true. This is not going to end well for her. No. It's a dark, like, utility basement sort of thing. And we see some flashes of a huge guy, like, seven He's foot. Big. With half-burned face and a club, club in arm. place of one of his hands. Yeah. yeah. He says, lucky 19, and comes and assaults her. And it's... This is pretty upsetting. Oh, Honestly, it's very upsetting. This? Oh, yeah. It's really intense. And like, this it's girl very is very intense. She's she, she like she's got no chance, basically. No, you know that like no one's going to know that this is happening to her. Like she's just kind of screwed. The scene doesn't just like cut away when she starts to scream. No, you see the guy start wailing on yeah. her a little bit. Like, Legending her. It's real upsetting. And just something that I wasn't expecting from a, a campy first season. Yeah, so things are starting to get real. Yeah, I do appreciate that. Like, well done, Buffy. I mean, Joss wrote this episode, I think, so mm-hmm. maybe that's why. It's based on a teleplay written by someone else, and I think that's an amazing term. Teleplay, yeah. Teleplay. But, oh shit, to really <laughs> fucking cap the scene off after this harrowing experience that I went yeah. through, at least... I don't know how you feel, audience, (laughs) but like this is something that actually did make me really uncomfortable. And then the camera just pans up to a a poster that says, smoking kills. 
And you're like, what? And, yeah, then all of a sudden they're playing it for a joke? Yeah. That, I think that makes it much more upsetting. The mood whiplash here is strong. Yeah, it's... And then it sits on the poster for just too long. Uh-huh. And I think, like, while we hear what's happening, yeah, no. still happening. And you're like, no, just stop the scene. Cut, <laughs> cut. <laughs> yeah, Joss is uh, flexing his directorial muscle, I guess. I don't think he directed cool. this one. Oh, whoever is then. I have like pretty sparse notes for this episode, <laughs> but I do have noted that Giles has a paisley scarf that oh. is too short for a tall man. I-, I just wrote, what a sweet scarf you got there, Giles. Mm, <laughs> it's real great. Like it's nothing about it is going to keep his neck warm. Everyone's about no. fashion scarves. Okay. They're in California. They don't need warm scarves. Oh, yeah, right. So this person, Laura, has just been beaten within an inch of her life. So they're going to the hospital to see her. Right. Buffy and the G-Man are there to see her because they investigate when things go wrong. And Buffy's seen this kid and things have been going wrong in a big way. So this is at least the second time that Giles is going to to the hospital to see a student. Yes, he is committed. (laughs) Someone is going to notice this and be like, what's that guy up to? And she, like, they talk to Laura and, and she doesn't really want to talk about it, which, you know, it was very harrowing, so totally understandable. Absolutely. She, why isn't she, like, what the hell's the librarian doing here? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here, Buffy? I have barely talked to you. Like, Buffy calls it out that she basically doesn't know this person. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, at this point, she just wants people to be around that aren't monsters. That's true. So, I mean, and you're not gonna, I guess you're not gonna say, what are you doing (laughs) visiting me in the hospital? Yeah, this probably actually makes her feel pretty good overall. Yeah. A little bit confusing, though, to see the librarian show up. Yeah, so she tells them about the Lucky 19 thing. That's all Mm -hmm. she really wants to talk about, understandably so. And then a doctor is just telling them all this information. (laughs) Doctor patient confidentiality? Nope. What the fuck is that? These people are probably police-ish. They they're not they don't look like they're police, and then when he asks if they're family, they just they're like, Oh, we're friends. And he's like, Alright, let me tell you all about her and oh, this other kid's in a coma too. I'll tell you about him. Yeah, yeah this is a real epidemic that we got going on here. <laughs> let me show you all of the related cases. Like what? Alright, Doctor Exposition, doing it. And so the the kid that he shows them, they don't go and look at, which I don't know why. I guess this is very clearly the kid that Buffy so has been clearly, seeing. Yeah, you don't see his face or any features, but if you've been paying attention at all, it's super obvious that this is the kid. It's a small, and this dark-haired isn't even a twist. Child, no. This is revealed within three <laughs> minutes to be the child. No, it's it's strange. And it, it's strange, too, that, like, why couldn't Buffy put two and two together in this scene? Like, why do we have to have, have her why do, do have it wait for in three a minutes? second scene? <laughs> Maybe she had to do it while, like, Willow and Xander were there? Anyways, we cut back to the school. <laughs> <gasps> Can I describe this, oh, please? I, I thought you might enjoy this scene. <laughs> oh, it does my heart such good. We cut back to the school, and we see a group of hooligans standing around <laughs> Greasers. lockers. Greasers. Greasers, like T-birds from Greece. Like, yeah. (laughs) Except they are updated for the cyberpunk era. Mm. So the sunglasses these guys are wearing (laughs) are like, they are 
to the max branded sunglasses, They're basically. They're small rectangles that look like they want to be from the future, but everything else about their outfit is greaser from the 50s. They got these sweet <laughs> leather jackets. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're talking about how they're going to fight people and like, oh, so tough. Rah, the rah, toughest. Rah. Listen, I'm not afraid of him. Hey, if he wants to fight, then I'm taking him down. I'm not backing off of this. This is about honor. I'll break his neck. Like this just, this feeds me on an emotional <laughs> level. Uh, I derive such energy from this. <laughs> Buffy comes up and cements the use of the word Wiggins in the lexicon. Yeah, we're at They're three, getting a lot of mileage out I of it. I think yeah. at least. Did you notice that Will has a Nerf Herder sticker in her locker? I didn't notice that. Yeah, that was, that was cute. So Nerf Herder is the band that does the theme music yeah. for the show. And yeah, they'll generally try to promote local bands. Yeah, they do. We haven't been to the Bronze in a while. Forever. I was just thinking that, yeah. But whenever we're at the Bronze and there's live music, it's always like a local band that someone on the production crew knows about and can get on the cheap. I mean, most local bands are going to be like, you're putting us on a TV show? <laughs> Hell yeah. Yes, we will be there for free. <laughs> yeah. Allison Hannigan Willow uh, is the one who put Joss onto Nerf Herder in the first place. Oh, that's mm -hmm. a nice, nice little piece of trivia. Factoid. Yeah. Factoid one. Apparently... Cyberpunk greaser guy's worst nightmare <laughs> is to be embarrassed by his mom in front of his cool friends. Oh, there's my little baby! Mom, what are you doing here? How's my little boogie? Mom, mom, please don't kiss me for everybody. This is embarrassing, mom. Yeah. And I get that we're having, like, comedic nightmares, but this is just an embarrassing thing. I don't, have you ever had this dream? No. Where you're embarrassed I don't, in that way? I don't really have a lot of nightmare-type dreams, though. Have you had the one where you show up for a test no. that you haven't studied for? Really? <laughs> oh, I've had that several times, and it's awful. The only, like, nightmare-type dream that I ever have is I'll wake up and be, like, still kind of half asleep. And in the dream, like, my bed was full of, like, spiders or something. Oh, that's terrible. And I'll be convinced that they are real. Wow. Like, to the point where I have to turn the light on, look through all the sheets. Oftentimes, I'll, like, throw all the sheets on the floor, and then I'll have to talk myself into, like, looking through them because I'm just convinced that they're full of spiders. This has happened more than once? Oh, yeah. <laughs> one time, Holy shit. One time I was certain that there were, like, glass jars suctioned to my ceiling, and they were going to fall on me if I didn't, like, remove them to the point where I was standing on my bed looking for them, and then woke up enough to realize that that wasn't real. Wow. <laughs> So there you go. GG. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty great nightmare. Is it? <laughs> I mean, from my perspective. <laughs> so I yeah. think it makes for good pod. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> We're getting real deep into things. Cool. <laughs> in addition to this cyberpunk greaser having his mother show up and embarrass him in front of his friends, calling him her bitsy pookums and things like that, we see Willow and Xander go into class, and Xander has the, I'm naked in front of my class, with underwear. Yeah. But I'm in my underwear in front of the entire class nightmare, but it happens in real life, and he just panics, as he should, He's when all of your clothing has though. suddenly disappeared. <laughs> he is real, real upset, and he runs away. I mean, like, does he really have anything to be embarrassed about? Right? Like... That was my point. He's <laughs> totally cut. Holy fuck. So he's no angel, but, you No, know. but, like, more than one girl in that class was pretty pleased with what they saw. 
Like, if you think about it, all of them, like Xander, Willow, you know, they're they're not unattractive people. Like, right. there's no reason that they would actually, like, they wouldn't actually be unpopular in a high school. They're far too <laughs> no. good looking. No. And yeah, like, season one, season two, Xander is actually in, like, very good shape. Look what I'm saying. He goes like super downhill after that. But he's got serious muscle going on and he does not need to be super embarrassed. Like really at all. (laughs) I don't think the laughter is what would really happen in this situation. But again, that could be a part of the sort of like what he expects to happen in the context of this nightmare. And this brings me to an interesting point. What percentage of the people that are around are real? (laughs) Are all of them real? Is there actually a history class that Buffy was not going to? Has that been edited into the timeline? I think that these are questions that are too big for this episode. Are they just fake people? This is literally what I was thinking about the whole time. And being like, wait, how does this work on any level? They'll eventually hit a reset button. Does she not have a history class anymore? Well, think about what happens to Willow, though, right? Is that opera man a real man? He can't be. He can't be. This is a weird episode, and it really does not bear this much thinking about. But there are real, real big questions. Oh, and we'll have Buffy's dad show up, who cannot be Buffy's dad. No? If he remembered doing that, I right. guess we'll, we'll come back to this later. But I mean, like, soon. he does terrible shit that I'm assuming he doesn't remember, or it just wasn't him at all. And then there were two of them running around. But then but then you're asking the question, I mean, the master wasn't really freed. I mean, right. like the, the the nightmare master says, like, I I am free because you fear it or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't think that means he was actually freed. So yeah, Buffy's dad that we'll see soon <laughs> is fake. The he does show up eventually, and that's the real one. And that's the one that isn't a shit bird. But this one that we're about to see is fake i guess so maybe if the subject of the nightmare is a person then Uh they aren't a real version of that person then xander's entire class is fake yeah which Ah! which is why they all laughed so but none of them are real people where are the real people what are they doing (gasps) having their own nightmares oh cool all right i think we've thought like way too much about way too hard about this Buffy's dad does show up and comes to collect Buffy from the library where the G-Man is. Yes. Oh, shit, no. Before this, we go to the library and we see that Giles Aww. cannot read. He's Oh, he's so upset. He is killing it so hard in this Aww. scene, as usual, but he is so upset. And it's Because he feels so terrible for him. It's awful. It. He can't read. And that, like, is his thing. The Scoobies don't just think of him as the guy who reads, but... That is a big part of his identity. You know, half of his dialogue is exposition for a reason. Right. So he's just looking at these pages uncomprehending. Yeah. And you just feel so sad. We really hit the emotional center of this episode halfway through. And then it just loses everything from there. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. Like, so, yeah, this this sort of nightmare from Giles is so emotional and is so real. Like, mm-hmm. he, he would really be afraid of something like that, whether or not he would, yeah. he's having nightmares. 
And then, yeah, you have things like Xander's naked in front of the class. Right. It's this really weird <laughs> mood whiplash that's happening a lot in this episode. Right. So this is the scene where Buffy puts it together. Oh, oh. wait. I think that, yeah, the kid is probably that kid that I've been seeing. Oh, because he's in it's the paper. It's all connected. I've got a theory. Some kid is dreaming. And we're all stuck inside his wacky Broadway nightmare. Because of the coma. Because he'd been Because he needed that? I don't know. Oh, and she sees that he is number 19. Right. The picture of him is from his baseball, his little league baseball team. And he is number 19. She's like, lucky 19. Giles is talking about astral projection and stuff. Mm -hmm. Saying, and then basically they do the hand wavy like, it's the hell mouth. Yeah. Things can happen in the hell mouth. That's basically the best we get for this episode, though. Pretty much. (laughs) There really isn't a lot of wrap up that happens. So they're at the the library and Buffy's dad shows up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hank Summers. Giles is giving him such scowls. <laughs> and this brings us right into our next segment. Oh, I'm pumped. Anthony Stewart, head of the family. The stack pools are going to have to move soon. And they may be heading your way. Head of the family. <laughs> that is amazing. I wrote down, hey dad, meet my replacement father figure. <laughs> <laughs> and like... Yeah. Yeah. Giles is selling it that way. Oh, yeah. So I just want to talk, like, we've talked a bit about how Giles is really a replacement father figure. Buffy's dad is not around a lot, and she has this shiny new dad. (laughs) And Uh, in a lot of ways, he's better than Hank is. Well, I mean, he fights with her with quarter staves. And he is around ever? Like, constantly, actually. Uh (laughs) Right, more than (laughs) They hang out together in graveyards, you know. (laughs) Right. Like, she sees Giles more than she sees her mom, guaranteed. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So he's just this real father figure, and that's nice. You get the the sort of surrogateness there. And then Hank shows up and it's just like, nope, (laughs) don't need you, don't want you. Yeah. Buffy doesn't say that. Buffy's always very happy to see her dad. And it's clear that the divorce is hard on her. Yeah. the They only split up recently. And she thinks that it was about the same time that she started fighting vampires. So there's this whole like level of guilt that she has thinking it might be her fault. And she conveys all of that really well. Mm-hmm. It's subtle enough that she's not... Like, laying it on too thick. But you can tell, yeah, that she is genuinely excited to see her dad and she wants to have a good relationship with him. And she wants to have family time in a way that can't exist anymore. And Giles just doesn't approve of this guy who's (laughs) hanging around now. (laughs) Buffy's dad walks her out into the courtyard and sits her on a bench and just starts blaming her for the divorce. Yeah. In a horrible, horrible scene that is done very well it's i also use the word horrible i mean it it was hitting me pretty hard it's yeah. hit me where i live a little bit and yeah just he basically not only does he say that it was all her fault because you know she was too much of a handful and always getting she was in trouble, acting out yeah but he also <laughs> says something like do you have any idea what it's like to live with you and he calls her selfish and rude and yeah. saying that she's not as smart as he hoped basically her dad is a complete savage and it's monstrous it's very difficult to watch it's so hard to watch. And she's crumbling as he's she's saying crying. this. She's crying. Yeah. 
this is an emotional peak that I really didn't think we would hit in this episode. This episode is all over the place. I could see it coming. Like when Buffy's dad's walking her around, you're like, I think I know where this is going. Or I was at least a little bit. She had been talking earlier about how this like was one of her fears was that, Mm -hmm. you know, these exact things were the reason that they split up. And so, yeah, you, you see it coming, but then it's so much worse than you think it's going to be. It's so much worse. Yeah, yeah. So she's really sad. He leaves. Oh, and then fucking what? With this episode, yep. we get Cordy's worst nightmare. <laughs> yep, which... Immediately after Buffy's had this thing happen to her, we see Cordy having a bad hair day, which is her worst nightmare ever. And it's terrible hair. Whatever. It breaks it's a, a comb. Joke. Oh, boy. That's how bad it is, Dave. But... Why would you put these scenes together? Yeah, because I don't know. They, yeah, they're they're playing it for laughs now, and it's just, yeah, it, the emotional whiplash is definitely happening again. And this is really the height of it in the episode. Yeah, but we're we're halfway through. Like we still have half the episode to go, which is so weird because the rest of it is just this bizarre downhill. A lot has happened up to now. Yeah. And yeah, now the rest of the episode is mostly them running away from the club guy. Right. Yeah. So Buffy goes to confront Billy about what has happened. She is pretty convinced that he is somehow causing these things. Indirectly, probably. Right. Uh, She doesn't know that kids can be completely terrible. (laughs) Not yet. Not Ah. yet. Look out, Buffy. Ah. Maybe she should have learned something from this episode. (laughs) And Billy doesn't really remember what happened to him, but he mentions his baseball game. And the ugly man. Yes. Who calls him Lucky 19. And we are getting the hint that the ugly man did this to him. Yeah. There is a way that this scenario sort of falls out, and it is Billy hides. Then the ugly man finds him, and then the ugly man beats him. So at this point in the episode... Like, were you putting together who the ugly man probably was? Uh, either father or little league coach. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not really... Like, I don't think this episode is very twisty. It's really not. Yeah. And that's something that I think works to its detriment. Just constantly. It, there's nothing... You just... You always want a twist. There's just nothing that's exciting. Like, it's yeah. hard to get invested in the main thrust when you've just been brought into this, like, Buffy and her father relationship thing that really does hit hard. And Giles is having problems of his own that are working for me. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, and this kid is having problems. I'm like, I don't, okay. I don't know anything about this kid. Yeah, you're Child like. Child abuse is terrible. It's, yeah. it's horrible, but yeah, I have nothing invested in this kid other than I've just learned that he is being abused by someone. So club guy shows up. He is a gigantic, gigantic yeah. person. This whoever they have as the mm-hmm. uh, scary club man. Yeah, black trench coat, ugly face. He starts smacking Buffy around, but she is stronger than the average bear. It's true. She's still not able to take him anywhere close, though. No, of course not. I mean, he's really big, like way yeah. bigger than her. So they run away. Yeah, she's limping at this point. Yeah, and. We get a nice bit of Cordelia who's being dragged (laughs) into the chess club, screaming about how she's not even on the chess team. And you see her terrible hair and her terrible clothing. And it's all just a nightmare for Cordelia. I mean, the scene of her being dragged into the chess club was pretty amusing. It's fun. It's great. It's It's a weirdly placed scene. Yeah. And we segue right from there, I think, into Willow's nightmare because everyone gets turned. Well, I mean, they have to, right? So she's heading down to the basement and you're like, 
Wait, no, don't go down <laughs> oh, there. Yeah. That a has... voice calls out to her. Willow, Willow. Buffy? No, it's a tarp. Why don't... is this basement unlocked? I mean, I guess because of the, the dream like quality that we have happening. Yeah. But there's it's no even way. Open for her. Yeah, there's no way that in my high school any sort of door like that would be unlocked. We see her get snatcher grabbed. Yeah. By something. We're not sure what. Question mark for now. And we cut into Xander because oh. we are several plot lines, no oh, waiting on any of them. There's just, we're flip flopping all over the place. Okay, so I have a couple problems with this. Good. So first of all, someone's been spray painting swastikas all over the wall. Because earlier in the episode, Xander mentioned that spiders on his face would not be a problem. <laughs> but Nazis. Nazis on his face would be. And so I get that it's tying back into that, but that line was weird to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just feel like, not that I'm saying Nazis are good. That just seems like but kind of But are you afraid of them? It's a strange thing to have nightmares yeah. about. Anyways. And then Xander just starts eating all this floor chocolate. <laughs> he is acting like, what, E.T.? Like any sort of dog, <laughs> like Boo from Monsters, Inc. If you leave chocolate out in a trail for Xander, he will follow it to the very last one and get all that chocolate. He's just this bizarre, like, man-child wandering around being like, ooh, chocolate. All right. Someone else's loss is my chocolatey goodness. This is my lucky day. I love these bars. A chocolate hurricane. He's the best. Oh, this one's the best. And then just, he's ripping the the, the package open and shoving, like, the whole thing in his mouth. Oh, and just, nom, like, nom. rinse and repeat. How many chocolate bars has he consumed in the space of five minutes? So then what I wrote was, what's he afraid of? Diabetes? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> we don't get to see what he's afraid of yet. No. Nope. Because we jump back to Willow. Oh, Oh no, Willow's not ready for her performance, Dave. This is a nightmare that I've had. Oh. <laughs> Again. Oh yeah, being on stage without knowing your lines. I mean, oh, that does sound ugh. terrifying, yeah. Holy fuck. <laughs> she doesn't know her lines. She has stage fright, which we have seen yes. in The Puppeteer. And she hates being the center of attention, which she has said in this episode. Correct, yep. So she it's has got to sing in front of a crowd. So there's, yeah, she's all dressed up. I don't, what are they doing? Like Madame Butterfly or something? Yes. Right. And so she's all dressed up. There's an opera man who is mm -hmm. uh, singing the tenor part and gesturing to her to fill in with the soprano portion of this, the song. She's like, uh, and he's like, okay, I've got another line, I guess. I, and then he gestures I liked to her opera again. Man. Oh, opera man's he amazing. He was great. <laughs> he's the perfect opera man. Uh, yeah, everything about him is perfect. And then he gestures to her again, and she's like, My turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the aha uh -huh is good. Yeah, <laughs> it was very good. Right, but, uh, uh, so... There is usually less Italian in my version of this nightmare. Right. I'll point that out. Because, I mean, you can be expected to not know Italian. Mm-hmm, yeah. I wouldn't expect that of you, that's for sure. <laughs> I think she just runs away from this. Yes. But clearly humiliated and just feeling awful. I think people are booing her. Yeah, so uh, we're flip-flopping all over the place. Back to Xander. Joss loves his terror clowns. Yeah. We've got a terror clown in this episode, and we have one in Cabin in the Woods that is much more <laughs> effective than this one. Yeah. In several ways. Like, effective on an emotional level and also in how much it can do. But yeah, we've got a clown that has a knife. 
and we've been seeing the school sort of fall into more and more disrepair. There are tarps up everywhere. Yeah. For some reason, they're just sort of consuming the school. I kind of accepted those tarps as a part of the sort of dream atmosphere. This is the real problem with this episode. You got to do that a lot with everything that happens. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we're about to see something even more absurd. At his sixth birthday party, there was some clown. Right. And so, He's getting chased by it now. Yeah, the clown wants to stab him, which I really doubt that the birthday party clown was trying to do. <laughs> but, Hopefully not. That would be a terrible sixth birthday party, Right? Though. But I mean, oh. I guess the dream isn't that specific. We Buffy is traveling with Billy. They see some baseball stuff. B&B is what I started calling them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. nice. Uh, right, yeah, and so Billy is clearly uncomfortable with the baseball. Mm-hmm. They've got to meet up with Buffy's friends, mm-hmm. but Billy doesn't want to go this way. Can they go a different way? She's like, yeah, sure. Let's go through this hedge. Let's hop through the hedge. Uh, but they hop through the hedge into the cemetery. Oh, no. Key graveyard, and it's night. The master is out of his batorium. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Now it's just a batorium. (laughs) I hate everything. Listeners, I hope you hate this less than Michaela does. I'm not trying to be hostile to you. (laughs) It's so gross. (laughs) Uh, As always, M.M. is doing some solid handwork. Here he's just given himself a nice comfy hug for most of the scene. (laughs) He is. (laughs) He didn't want his hands to be, like, the center of attention, so he's like, oh, I'll just hide him behind my back. Uh, no, he's got, like, them right in front of him on his upper arms. Oh, he's right. He's giving himself a little hug. <laughs> and he's like, it's not a back this is hug. comfy. It's an arm No, it's hug. not a back hug. Right. I can picture it now. Yeah, and uh, I was thinking, you know, especially, like, against this whole Xander Clown Cordelia fashion fear all of buffy's fears are like so legit super legit and giles's yeah so legit because yeah there's an open grave so mm pushes her on in and he's like hey aren't you scared of being buried alive yeah who wouldn't be scared of that yeah that's terrifying he starts to bury her alive while he's like doing a joker laugh yeah and man there gotta be easier ways to kill a slayer i swear But it's this whole dream thing where, like, she can't fight back properly, so he just pushes her in and starts burying her. I think he might bite her before he does. I'm not sure. He gets close enough. He does something. And then, yeah, pushes her right in. And he's got some, Uh, some good dialogue in this scene. Oh, yeah. And you're like, why doesn't this guy get to come out and play a little bit more often? He's great. Why, <laughs> He's always stuck in his batorium, man. Why are we always keeping him in that batorium? <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying it, and I hate it just as much every time. So Xander and Willow somehow meet up with Giles. All fleeing from their nightmares. Unclear. Xander is just like, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck this clown. Fuck this clown. <laughs> he punches him. Yeah, and the clown goes down in one hit because, again, Xander is ripped. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, it's a solid punch. They get out of the school and they're like, oh, we got to find Buffy. Maybe she's in the terrifying night portal <laughs> that <laughs> goes directly into the graveyard, but at night. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> they, they figure they'll check there first because pretty suspicious as far yeah. as as far as things go we get two nightmares in one here yeah they're... we've got buffy buried alive <sighs> yeah no. and giles's nightmare of having failed buffy and her dying oh that, that's it's got the gravestone she gives is just great i failed 
and my duty to protect you. I should have been more cautious, taken more time to train you. But you were so gifted. And the evil was so great. I'm sorry. It's amazing, but I'm like, yo, Giles, I mean, a slayer dies, another one just, like, pops right up. <laughs> what are you so torn up about? Do you think they'd let him stay Watcher? If yeah, probably. It, but, but, like... <laughs> we don't know how it works yet. <laughs> I suppose. Oh, that seems cruel. To... <laughs> I mean, I, I get that that was the joke. <laughs> I mean, this is sort of... I guess this isn't fair to the episode, me being like, oh, all the emotion's gone. Yeah, Giles does a good job. But to a certain extent, right? Yeah. Because it's nothing like what we've seen before. And then Buffy just, like, pops right out of the grave. So, I mean, it's not really prolonged at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but she's a vampire. Oh, ah! no. Oh, noes. <laughs> They're like, okay, cool, Buffy. You're a vampire. You still good? She's like, yeah, let's go stop this once and for all. And I guess they're figuring that once Billy's out of his coma, everything will just go back to normal, which is a big... They're hoping. I think they, they maybe make a, a statement about like, oh, but it'll all be fixed after that. And someone's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> right. They're grasping at straws, but it's the only thing to grasp at. I mean, if Buffy's a vampire, at least her and Angel will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I was wondering about this, yeah. Is she a vampire vampire slayer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she's just a vampire slayer. Is she a vampire's slayer? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, does she stay the slayer? We don't know. Unanswered questions. Because <laughs> this episode just needs us to truck along. Vampire truck slayer vampire? Right Anyways. We see them reach the hospital. Yes. After what was no doubt an uneventful journey. And... There are zombies attacking the hospital. <laughs> they go up to the doctor and they're like, doctor, doctor, thank goodness. We've got to get you to help us bring this kid out of the coma. And he's like, my hands, they're slightly different. Ah. Well, I mean, and he just sort of wanders Presumably away. he's a surgeon of some kind. Yeah. So his hands are all fucked up. So now he can't surge anymore. But there are zombies in the background. But that wasn't his fear. That was somebody <laughs> else's fear. They're still pretty scary. Listen, doctors also have legitimate fears. Yeah. So doctors, Buffy, and Giles, that's who has legitimate fears. <laughs> but the death toll for this episode must be huge. <laughs> Getting that Y in there, it's good. <laughs> I've got it spelled with Ys and Us. <laughs> Dr. Buffy decides that the best way to revive this child in a coma <laughs> is to shout at him. I think, doesn't, yeah, doesn't Giles yell at him? Oh, Giles yeah, does, or like, whoever. Billy! Why are you sleeping? <laughs> and you're kind of like, Fishy, wake up! <laughs> That's a good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, okay, that didn't work it necessarily. Does, does zero things, yeah. <laughs> Willow's like, oh, guys, we better hurry. And we get into the final segment of oh, the night. Oh, great. Impractical effects. Look, my leech. Camelot. 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 It's only a model. Oh, excellent. Can you take a guess at what this is? 
guess, Dave? Why would uh, I need to guess about a segment that we've had so many times before? Because each of these segments is something that comes back frequently, and you know what they are before I say them. Yep. Correct. Clearly, so go I ahead. clearly know what they are. Impart knowledge. Uh-huh. Yep. Impractical oh God, I effects. Hope, I hope this is about those, like, giant bees. You're on the right track. Good. <laughs> right? Yep. Something about... This so special, what's practical effects? Special effects. Yeah. But instead of, I feel like they're. I mean, are they doing computer computer I think they effects? Are, and it's such a mistake. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> like guys, don't try to do CG in a television show in the nineties. No. Unless you're reboot. Yeah. And you're all CG. Reboot. 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 Like, these, these fucking giant bees attacking the city are so unconvincing. They, I mean, you're kind of looking at it, and you're like, is that a, is that a miniature city? Are- <laughs> That's very much what it feels like. <laughs> oh, it, no, it... Well, and, and for, for what purpose? Right? They're kind of like, oh, we're running out of time. But they could have conveyed that without spending however much money it costs <laughs> to make those giant bees... Yeah, have Willow holding the door against zombies or something. Yeah. You've already got the zombies. Yeah, they established zombies. You don't need to do this. Buffy doesn't have a great track record. The show does not have a great track record with special effects. No. Special being in large air quotes. And we'll see in season three, I think. Is it season three with the mayor and the snake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't remember exactly what goes on, but I remember being very much unimpressed with the snake. Uh, It's a bad snake. (laughs) It's a bad snake. This doesn't mean that their practical effects are always good. The praying mantis was terrible. and Moloch the robot was just like a cheap Darth Vader suit. Yeah. But it's such a better alternative than trying to use CG and, like, mixed real live action with CG. Uh, such a mistake to do in this TV show. It's a mistake, uh, but let's, yeah, let's pretend we never saw it. The ugly man shows up. Right. And bursts on into the room or gets near the room. Well, and so does Buffy imply here that a vampire slayer vampire is stronger than just a vampire slayer it's got double strength because it's got slayer strength and vampire strength and those multiply i think is how that works right or it's one to the power Power. of the other power yeah (laughs) it's a power lot right right so you're like yeah she is really amped up she has gone super saiyan yeah and she will not be messed with anymore so she's gonna go kill that ugly man and she beats the snot out of him pretty good cracks his club arm in half yeah, it's all it's rubbery. sort of hard to tell. <laughs> right, know. it's sort of hard to tell whether it's supposed to be cracked in half <laughs> or know. if it's just a rubber arm and the guy swung it and you can see it bend because <laughs> it's made of rubber. I don't, yeah. I don't know what they were going for. But anyways, by this point, the episode has certainly lost its emotional center. He is incapacitated for sure, and then she's all like. No, I've figured this whole thing out. Billy's got to do the rest. Now let's see who you really are. (gasps) Mr. Randolph! (laughs) And I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids. I mean, we call these people the Scoobies, but rarely (laughs) is it so literal as Billy going up to Uh... take the mask off of the ugly man. So he wants to, he needs to get his face off. I'd like to take his, his face off. (laughs) <laughs> That's what you're saying, right? Motherfucker. <laughs> we're having a good 
podcast conversation <laughs> and you go and bring up face off. He needs to take his face off. off. <laughs> he wants to take his face off? There's a hand gesture, listeners, that I can't uh, watch the movie face off. You really owe it to yourself. It's worth it. Even if you've seen it before. It's worth just it. Just watch it again. It's better than it's you remember. It's only like three hours. There's a real slow middle part, if we're being honest. There's the initial part where Nick Cage is crazy. And then there's the end part where he starts to go crazy again. Yeah. Those are really the things you need to be watching, yeah. Right. The kid wakes up and does a motherfucking Wizard of Oz on them. <laughs> and you were there? And you were there? I had the strange dream. And you were in it. And you... Literally! <laughs> why? <laughs> What motivated this to happen? I think maybe they wanted it to be clear that, like, Billy remembers them and thus is not terrified that a bunch of strangers are in his hospital room. And they're just like, ah, we're cribbing from Wizard of Oz anyway, might as well make it explicit. Oh, God. This this episode has ups and downs. <laughs> it's, it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. coaster. It is. Right, so the, his dirtbag coach shows up, mm -hmm. and at this point, my thought was, so this guy's here to see whether or not Billy has woken up, because Billy is going to tell Rather everybody, that, yeah. right? So was his plan like, oh, Billy's awake, better smother him to death? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think so, it's gotta be, right? What else is he doing there? Because clearly, he had some sort of plan if he's showing up at the hospital. <laughs> Listen, I may have thought too much about this. Speaking of thinking too much about things, who remembers what happened in this episode? Because the Scoobies all do, and Billy does. Yep. But does everyone remember that there were giant bees? Is this another, like, oh, Sunnydale just sweeps it under the rug? Is Laura, was she beaten nearly to death? I think that, that they, do, they do that a lot, right? Like, people have selective memory and are very good at just... The world fell apart. Right. This was an apocalypse. Our apocalypse count might be at two at this point. I don't know about that. Not quite, but still. Yeah. Like, this goes beyond the pale of having a couple guys with scary faces in the bronze. This is a whole <laughs> other level. Citywide gas leak, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that's the Sunnydale way. That's the Sunnydale way. We've talked over this too much anyway, <laughs> so we'll leave it there. But yes, the Little League coach was a complete bastard. Xander and Giles are like, you're not leaving after we've just caught you. As he tries to run away. And then smash cut to the next day. Yeah, tie a bow on it, this I guess. This scene I did not enjoy for a variety of reasons. This is one of the weakest endings, yeah. which is weird because we've had bad episodes with great endings before. This is not a good ending. It is not very satisfying. They sort of It's so unsatisfying. They have a throwaway line like, "Oh, good thing that guy's behind bars now." And like, "Oh, I can't believe a little league coach would do that to a kid." Like, "Yeah, that's terrible. Are you going to explore that at all? Maybe it's hellmouthy." No, apparently not. No. Nope. He just wanted He's just them a to dick. win. Yep. Are we going to see that the master was behind this beating in the first place? Because it's implied that he was the reason Billy's nightmares became real. But was he the one who instigated the beating in the first place? That would make a lot more sense than just this little league coach smacked his player around. Essentially, none of it ties together with the arc of the season at all. Other than the master gets some nice lines about fear. It's so bizarre. It's very bizarre. And when bizarre. you have 
the master at the beginning didn't quite work. I, ah, oh, this ending. Yeah, that's true. We get no master, no closure from what he was talking about. And like, does he remember being in the graveyard? Because now it's right? like, now he's met Buffy. This episode should not have been made the way it was written. Yeah, it has some good ideas. And it's got some very impactful scenes. It's just then they're interspersed with throwaway nonsense. And Buffy wishes her friends a killer weekend. Yeah. And I'm like, I hope your weekend is totally rad too, Buffy. Yep. And she hops in the car with her dad. And then I, I think our last line is Willow wanting to know whether or not Xander still wants to bang vampire Buffy. Yep. <laughs> this is such a terrible ending. It's a bad ending. And he's like, yeah. Yep. I mean, she's still pretty hot as a vampire. Yep. And Willow's like, oh, goofy Xander. What? And it's, I... <laughs> Listeners, we're speechless. Watch I... this episode and you will be too. I really couldn't believe that it ended on this note. Boop. The credits came up and I was like, do they have a stinger for this one that explains everything? No. No, they don't. So that's our episode. That's that. Mission accomplished. Michaela? Yeah. What was your top outfit from this episode? Oh, that Cordelia's fashion outfit, obviously. Yeah, that it was amazing. Scarf. Entirely pink coordinated outfit. So amazing. So coordinated. And I know you didn't notice the scrunchie, but God, it no. was amazing. Her frumpy chess club outfit is so much less, I don't know, exciting in comparison. Yeah. Like there's just nothing going on there. Which is kind of the point of it, I guess. Yeah, it's supposed to be horrendously ugly. It's just it's sort of meh. Meh, yeah. Middlingly ugly. <laughs> We're 10 episodes in. Uh, yeah. If I'm pulling the trigger on a second season or not, mm -hmm. uh, oh man, that's going to be a rough call. We've seen some truly great highs. Recently, we've had a string of bad to Midland. Yeah. And I think I can remember more easily the bad to Midland episodes of this season than the Angels or, I don't know, was there another good episode? I mean, as far as <laughs> pilots go, I would say that the first episode is a good pilot. Again, anything with real vampires in it is probably what yeah. you want to watch. So if I had just been shown those, yeah. Those are some of the best scenes, like not from an emotional perspective, but just from like a, you know, this is a show about vampires perspective. Anything that the master was in, in this episode. Yeah. Those were like, yeah, some of the most interesting scenes. So yeah, they should stick to that maybe. So I'm going to give it uh, probably not a pass on a second season right now. <laughs> Thank goodness I wasn't making those decisions. So this episode is actually fairly highly rated. I've seen a lot of things that say that it is super inconsistent. Yes. And it really is. It's not a terrible episode. And like if you compare it to some of the other things we've seen, it's much, it's amazing. much yeah. better than those. The next episode mm -hmm. is called Out of Mind, Out of Sight. All right. So I think... Based on something that you've said earlier in our discussions about Buffy. Yes. That this is an episode in which a girl at the school is ignored by her peers and literally turns invisible because of it. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the twist of the episode. <laughs> it might be. Probably not. <laughs> it sounds like a super camp Buffy episode in the way that this really can't be summed up in. Like... You can't sum up nightmares in the same... No, you can't. ...tight way. And even Puppet Master can't really do much with that. This sounds like a pretty cut and dry one. 
And I remember nothing about it. There is a dynamic memory. to it that I'm not going to tell you what it is, but that does sort of give it a little bit more depth. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll get there. I know that the last episode in the season, Prophecy Girl, is very well rated. Yeah. Yeah. So looking forward to that. And I only have to sit through another 43 minutes of Buffy to get to there. <laughs> That's how I'm looking at it. Oh, God. And then onwards and upwards. <laughs> to a season that I'm sure will be only positive. Yep. Oh, God. I'm looking at some of the things we're going to have. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps it up for us here at Welcome to the Hellmouth. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach out to us on Weibo or Weibo, the Chinese microblogging service. I'm at Tall White Devil and Michaela. Oh my god. I can't compete with that. Oh, I am at Michaela Bo. Oh, you sound so defeated. I am. Make sure to hashtag all of those microblogs with <laughs> Welcome to the Hellmouth or whatever its Chinese equivalent is. <sighs> if you actually want to reach out to us because we are not on any of the things that I've said we are, we can actually be reached through email at bienvenuhellmouth at gmail.com or welcomehellmouthpodcast at gmail.com. Both are equally valid, although the second one is terrible. We will also yeah. be posting this episode for discussion on the Reddit, buffy.reddit.com. And until next week, farewell, farewell from, from the, the Hellmouth. Hellmouth. Hell no. Hell no.